0: Welcome to the Fuel Your Soul podcast. I'm Kay.
1: And I'm Taylor. Kay and I are friends who are united in our passion for our Catholic faith, which is how this podcast came to be.
0: Every Wednesday, we're talking all about faith, dating, friendships, career decisions, and more.
1: So pour yourself a cup of coffee, wine, or a cocktail and get ready to fuel your soul. This is the Fuel Your Soul podcast. What's up, girl gang? Welcome back to another episode. Today, we have downtown Jen Brown, (laughs) aka Jen Brown. She's a radio host. We'll get into that in a bit, but today we're going to do something a little unique and we're going to start out in prayer. So Jen, will you please lead us?
2: Absolutely. Thank you, uh, Taylor and Kay, for having me, first off. Um, This is a prayer. It's so easy. If you're getting ready to go into a test, go to a a meeting, uh, have a talk with parents or family members, whatever you're doing, and you just feel a little anxiety or stress, or you're going to do something that you're overjoyed about, it's about the easiest prayer that you can do. Invite the Holy Spirit into the situation And it's just come, Holy Spirit, come. Repeat it how many ever times that you need until you feel calm. But just come, Holy Spirit, be with us, lead us. And Holy Spirit, uh, invite whoever needs to hear this talk at this time, hear this podcast at this time, and may it enkindle their hearts. Amen. Amen. Amen.
0: Jen, (laughs) feel your soul listeners. This is Kay here. I realize... I didn't pop in at the beginning like I usually do, but Jen, I know you said that prayer for me because I, I told her at the beginning, I said, I'm feeling very anxious having a 30, you've been in radio for 30 years. Yeah. Yeah. So let me give you guys a little bit of background on Jen. So she was born and raised in Iowa. Currently she resides in, um, council, yes, in council bluffs. And she is a member of the Corpus Christi parish so we heard about Jen through my aunt Ellen because of her radio show on the Spirit Mornings show, um, and like I said, she's been in radio for thirty years. So she kind of she kind of knows her way around the radio world. And today, Jen is going to be uh, talking about her witness story with us. So. Um, Jen, I don't know if you just want to like start from the top and go right into it or how's that sound to you?
2: Yeah, that sounds great. Um, Again, thank you ladies for uh, allowing me to be part of this podcast and shout out to your aunt Ellen, who is an amazing, yes. amazing person with Christ Our Life. And uh, if anyone has an opportunity to find out anything they can about that, I highly recommend it. Um, uh, as all we're going to, we're going to pilgrimage kind of right now. And so as all pilgrims start, they start with the beginning, but what I want everyone to do is just kind of close their eyes and imagine the road to Emmaus, uh, the, uh, the road to Emmaus where, uh, Jesus, uh, meets two of his followers, but his followers do not recognize him. And for, if you don't know the road to Emmaus, you hopefully do know about the resurrection of Jesus Christ happened on Easter Sunday. Uh, This story is kind of like Jesus says to two of his followers, like, what are you guys talking about? What's going on? And it would be as if somebody were to say, what what are you guys talking about if something were blowing up on Twitter? Like they were like, what do you mean, man? How can you not know about this? So this is what would be happening on the road to Emmaus. So just imagine your picture of the road to Emmaus. Jesus talking to his followers. So I just want you to have that in your mind's eye right now. And it's kind of going to be, what's your road to Emmaus? And we're going to kind of encapsulate that at the end and wrap things up. But just think about um, the road to Emmaus. And with all pilgrimages, with all roads, it starts with the beginning. And so I'm going to talk a little bit about my parents. My mom and dad are lovely, wonderful human beings who love their children very much. And they've worked very hard for everything they have in life. I love my parents and they love me, but I'm sure as you guys can relate, um, all families have their struggles and their uh, squabbles and their 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 problems. And um, so my mother, born and raised Catholic by a staunch German uh, Catholic. And my dad, he is not Catholic, but sometimes he drinks like he's an Irish Catholic. <laughs> so that's, that's my dad, Papa Brown. And um, they... Um, have had some troubles uh, long before they were together. My mom was born with a congenital hip deformity. She has had six hip replacements in her life. She's had um, artificial heart valves. She's had both her knees done. She's had two pacemakers. She's had she's had a tough time. Um, her father also committed suicide when he was six years old, but not like he wrote a note and committed suicide. He kind of had like a brain aneurysm and just like in a weird way, way to get rid of what was going on, like all the pain and a jumbled confusion um, shot himself. But she, when she was in sixth grade, not six years old. Yeah. So they had, a, she had a really tough, difficult time. And in order to deal with that from such a young childhood, I think she became a control freak. Her whole family actually became, has, has real severe OCD issues. And she's always the type of person who's waiting for the shoe to drop, even though they have a really pretty decent life. But we have, we, we have, I have a loving family. I love my family and I have loving family, even with, Uh, some of those types of issues. As the oldest child, I don't know if either of you are the oldest, but I'm an oldest, I'm an overachiever. Yeah. So national honor, played every single sport, uh, worked, uh, worked with the handicapped children when I was uh, in high school. So did all those kinds of things, just uh, loved being in church, part of church groups, all that type of stuff. Um, That's like the kind of the oldest adage. I felt at home in a church. I loved being in church. Um, when I was in high school, I thought I had a calling to, uh, the religious life. Um, there's a, in Philippians, there's a quote that I like, uh, do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation, uh, by prayer and petition with Thanksgiving, present your request to God, present your request to God. That's something that I didn't do uh, all the time. So I learned later in life to do it more, but I didn't do it all the time because God will transcend all understanding and will guard your heart and your mind. And that will happen through your faith in Jesus Christ. Um, I was really maternal. I thought that I wanted to be a nun, but I also knew that I wanted to be a mom because I love children Mm. so much. So uh, in that, uh, not thinking about prayer and petition and presenting everything to God. I said to God, I got this, God, I I know what I'll do. I'll be a missionary nun and I'll, I'll work at an orphanage. So then I'll have children to take care of so I can fulfill my, my thought and want and desire that I thought I had to be a nun, but then I can also have all these little children. So I said, I got this. Don't worry about it. I can figure, I've got it figured out, God, which you don't Sounds say Sounds like
0: that. a good compromise. <laughs>
2: <laughs> but you don't say that to God, right? right if you want to a God laugh, tell him your plans. I think that's a, another good saying. Yes. So I went to the College of St. Mary. I was very successful at playing tennis in high school. Got a scholarship to the College of St. Mary. And then I went there and I was going to study to be, uh, get a degree in theology to, um, go to Holy Spirit Sisters of Mission in Techany, Illinois. I had it all worked out. I'm going to go there. I'm going to become a nun. I'm going to get my theology degree. I'm going to become a nun. And then I'm going to have all these little orphan babies. And I'm just going to have just, it's all going to work out great. Right. This is it. This is my, this is my thought process. This is like, God, I've got this, but, (laughs) in my naivete and kind of aw attitude, that is not actually what worked out. Um, being 19 and kind of, you know, wild and out of the house for the first time and uh, not living at home, I had a classmate uh, that I worked with or that I went to school with at the College of St. Mary, who started working at this place in Omaha that was well, it was not, it's not necessarily a place where a young girl should have been working, <laughs> let alone someone who is studying to be a nun. Oh and my God. There was another thing that was happens on campus that I was the DJ on campus. I love music. I mm-hmm. had told my parents as I was like four years old, like I'm going to be a DJ someday. I'm going to be on the radio. I just loved music. I'd constantly talked about that. And then if you came in my room, I was the person that had, I had the music going. I was the DJ at um, small little gatherings that we would have for different organizations. Um, Not the big dances, but the smaller things. I was the DJ on campus. So my friend knew who to call so that she was at this, she worked at this club. They lost their DJ one night. He walked out in a huff, got mad. She calls me on the phone. I'm 19. She's like, Jen Brown, Get down here right away! I've got a job for you. We need a DJ tonight. So I'm young and dumb and 19, and I'm like, okay. <laughs> I drive to a part of Omaha that I should probably not have driven to, and I took a job. But At I probably you
1: shouldn't have gotten a job.
2: But least we where a person studying to be a nun should not have got a job. I did learn so much there. I got a lot of street smarts there. Um, I, 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 I wouldn't trade it for anything in the world because of what it did lead to, um, eventually one street smarts, the things that I know today in my job today that it helped me with. And, uh, another thing with that, you know, that kind of aw shucks, uh, naivete, um, that I showed, um, I did learn things, but I soon needed somebody to, uh, come and kind of be not a bodyguard per se, but just watch the front area where I was, where the DJ was standing. Um, and this person that came and started watching the front area just to kind of protect me a little bit. He ended up being the person that I married and had my son with and my son, I wouldn't, I wouldn't trade that for anything in the world cuz my son is the most precious thing to me in my life and in other people's lives he's been an important component and a role in other people's lives since he's been a young boy. So I know he's a very important part of this world and so I wouldn't trade anything in. But it's been very difficult like my the my son's father was 12 years my senior when I met him and I describe it like this he saw me coming. He knew exactly what he had to do to get his hooks in me. He loved everything I liked. And he just worked the process and he worked me over like butter. Mm -hmm. Um, I don't know if I explained, but in the beginning, like my mom had OCD and she was really quite a controlling individual. And to a certain degree, I think all parents should be controlling at a certain level, but at a certain degree, it was kind of a a little obsessive controlling type thing. So I was used to that kind of dance. And when you're used to that kind of controlling dance, it's not hard to fall into another controlling relationship, especially with a male. So I fell into an extremely controlling, abusive relationship with somebody. Um, I ended up getting married. I changed, I mean, by the time, so I met him Within knowing him for a few months, I had dropped my ambition to pursue religious life. I had quit playing tennis. I had stopped a few, uh, not taken as many credit hours. I had to take a whole, I had to go to school a whole another year because i had slowed down my credit hours. I mean, he just really started, you know, controlling a lot of aspects of my life. Mm-hmm. and at he had i was a virgin he had talked me into having sex you know eventually we were engaged to be married but so my life had completely changed its trajectory like i he, i had really changed i had really changed what i wanted to do and there was also this individual so i had made some bad choices in my life and then he had also not been a great catalyst to have in my life with those choices. So I'm making bad choices in my life. Uh, we get we ended up we end up getting married. My family did not like him at all. They did not want me to get married to him. I wonder why he's
1: only 12 years older.
0: <laughs> yeah, I was going to say, how old were you when you got married? Then
2: I actually ended up being 24 by the time we got married. Okay. I was okay. I was, or was I 23? I was 23, I think, when we got married in 24, when Jackson was born. So I was 22. Actually, I was 22. <laughs> I was 22 when we got married. I was 20 when we met, and I was 22 when we got married. Mm-hmm. And um, yeah, yeah, you can see why they were had reservations about some of the things that were going on and the life that we were living. I mean, it wasn't, you know, he didn't have... And I know now why he didn't have a good job. Some other things about Jack, he's the eldest of 10 children with five different last names. And so, uh, and his family was, you know, had some severe issues. And so what I saw in my life, I thought, oh, well, here's, here's what I'm doing. I'm just switching gears. I thought I was going to be a missionary nun and work on a as a missionary nun and helping people in this way. Well, I'll just change God. Here's me telling God, you know, I'll just change. And, and this person, he will be my new mission. I'll fix him. I'll love him better. I'll, I'll fix his family. Oh my gosh, his family's a mess. I'll fix his family too. You know, I'll just, I'll just love all of them better. But if anybody's taking a psychology class or anything like that, you can't love someone better. You can't fix someone. They have to want to fix themselves. Mm -hmm. I mean, that's, it's, it's a nice thought. You can love someone and you can give them love, but you can't love them better. You can't fix them out of a want or desire for you to fix them. They have to do it themselves. And so, I had ignored the fact that he had some some issues, but one of them was a severe issue and he had a severe gambling problem. And so by the time Jackson's one and a half, like he's in the throes of a severe gambling addiction and we are going to the food bank. Um, I'm borrowing money from a grandmother. I'm hiding so much from my family and not only am I hiding things from my family, but he is doing everything he can to keep me from my family. I mean, he's trying to separate me from my family. He's trying to, he's trying to not let me work. He's, I'm working from home. I did an in-home daycare. Um, I was doing daycare morning and night uh, overnight daycare. Uh, I still worked part-time in radio this whole time because I had started in radio um, when I was after I'd worked at the club and in a roller rink. Don't be jealous now. But uh, <laughs> I worked at the club and <laughs> a roller rink.
1: Such an interesting life story. It's I very,
2: it's almost too, it's like so, it gets even crazier. But I always say people are like, you should write a book. I'm like, nobody would believe it because it sounds like so much fiction. <laughs> And so, um, with Jack though, thanks be to God, I was able to keep, I had moved from that radio station to another radio station. So I was able to keep my part-time work in radio, but he was really, he was doing everything he could to separate me, um, uh, from my family. And I was able to graduate with a degree from college of St. Mary, a degree in theology, a minor in art communication and philosophy. Um, but I wasn't putting that to use. He really, you know, kept me from home. Um, and it was just not, it was not, let's just say it this way. It was not a good situation. Mm-hmm. And the February of 1999 came around. It had been a terrible Christmas. He had hawked our wedding bands. He had, um, not paid any of the rent. And I thought uh, the money that I worked for went to rent. And I thought the money that I made was paying the rent and it wasn't, it was going towards his gambling addiction. Um, He had broke my car. I couldn't take my car anywhere. So I, I gave him an ultimatum. And if anybody is aware of how addictions work, somebody with addiction, they really don't like Nothing really is their fault ever, no matter what type of an addiction it is. They can't handle taking blame. And so he gave me, he said, no one's going to give me an ultimatum and tell me what to do. And it was three days before, it was in 1999, three days before Jackson's second birthday. And he packed a trash bag, a black trash bag, you know, under this sink trash bag yeah um, of his clothes, and um he left, and he had to go away and But, really, in hindsight, it was the best thing that he could have done for Jackson and I um because from that point on, uh, my life trajectory changed, and we really started to flourish mm. Um, my, I, my mother and father had already suggested that they wanted me to leave Jack. And so they couldn't believe, you know, jaws dropped when they came and said, you really need to get away from this person that I was like, well, he's already gone. And they were like, okay, move into the house, you know, you and Jackson can move in and... So my youngest brother still lived at home. He was 22. He was going to um, junior college. My sister was getting married that later that year. So it was kind of this year of wedding planning. And so she did not live at home. And so my mother and father, and I lived up in the, Jackson and I lived in the loft area. And it was just like this summer of love. So I had not, I was a really good girl in high school. I had not lived a kind of a crazy life. So I lived a crazy summer. I was playing fast and loose with the definition of sin. I was doing what I wanted, when I wanted, um, in the realm of when my son was at his dad's, right? So when he was gone for two days, I was like, I can do what I want to do. I'm a good person. Um, Love your neighbor, right? God likes that. I want to have fun. It's the first time in my life I've ever been able to have any fun. And no one's going to push their thumb down on me. I'm in control. But the way of a fool is right in his own eyes. But a wise man is he who listens to counsel. Yes, uh, an amazing uh, proverb. And so I was the way of a fool uh, for pretty much that entire summer of 1999, it was a summer that I never wanted to end. My it was
0: kind of the first time you were in control, I guess, right? Yeah, you
2: yeah, in control, but out of control. It was like weird because I felt mm-hmm. like I was in control, like for the first yeah. time, I was taking control. I had a full time, I got a full time job in radio. Um, I was taking my son to a daycare in the daytime. I was doing all these yeah I was doing some really really um independent things. I was an mm-hmm. extremely independent woman. I was growing up independent before I had to deal with some extremely grown up things, but it was like all in the dark and difficult and you know very you know very sad hard things to deal with. Now I'm independent woman. I'm stepping out on my own. I'm doing all this. I've gotten in shape. I started doing tai bow. I was like all strong, you know, like this. <laughs> so I was super, you know, it's just my parents have this pool. My brother and I would hang out at the pool in Jackson. We had, we just had this awesome summer. And my brother and my son have the closest relationship that you can have without being like a parent and a child. They just... Mm-hmm. They were so close and loving and it was just beautiful to see. And I'm so happy that they had that relationship. Um, it was a summer, uh, I call the summer of love and it was summer I never wanted to, to end. And it was kind of like an Indian summer. Are you familiar with that term, Indian summer? So that's where an Indian summer is where the fall is really nice. I think we had one like a year ago, the fall. Is super nice. Late into uh, fall, you have like eighty degree days, like okay. in November. So my my family is an extremely adventurous family: skiing, boating, um, motorcycles, four wheelers, ATVs. Like we're just an adventurous family. I come from that type of family, and my dad had a new Harley Davidson Fat Boy, a red Harley Fat Boy that was just. Beautiful, and my brother was very well was a good rider. He knew how to ride motorcycles. We'd been on motorbikes since we were young kids. And so my dad had let my brother and I for f- uh, five weeks take the Harley out for a nice uh, ride uh, through Glenwood and back. trees were beautiful, the air was beautiful, everything was gorgeous. So uh, on November thirteenth it was eighty three degrees. record high still to this wow. day, eighty three degrees on November thirteenth, nineteen ninety nine. We took the Harley out to Glenwood and we're coming back the windy, beautiful roads. And uh, as we're just about two miles uh, away from our home, uh, there was an SUV that was, we're both the SUV and my brother and I are uh, on a divided highway. We're going highway speeds. And the SUV didn't see a car that was ahead of him that was getting ready to turn. So the SUV, instead of Uh, hitting this car he turned into oncoming traffic Mm -hmm. and the suv hit my brother and i at highway speeds Wow! and so Mm -hmm. my brother went directly into the grill of the vehicle and he died instantly wow and i flew off of the back of the bike and i flew roughly 50 to 70 feet and landed on the side of the road oh my gosh and I broke just about everything that you could break. Um, and it's not like, it's not an incident where like you could see the, the 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 car coming and we were like, ah, I mean, it was just like in, a, in an instant. It's
1: mm-hmm. like a wave
2: of terribleness came over me, not nauseousness, like terrible. I knew something had happened. And then I felt my feet going over my head. And that's something you Mm -hmm. never feel unless you get shot out of a cannon for a living. You never feel that feeling. And then I knew something terrible had happened to me. And then the next thing I remember is a paramedic and his head was over mine and our eyes were locked and his body was on the other half, uh, other side of me. And my body is laying down and he is trying to stabilize my neck and my head. And I told him, and I have no idea why I told him this, but I told him, my name is Jen Brown. I'm the son. I'm the daughter of Bob Brown. He's a captain on the Council Bluffs Fire Department, and we we had never been told uh, our whole lives we'd never been told like if you get in a wreck, tell them you know who your dad is. We'd Mm -hmm. never been told this ever, but that was like my first instinct was to tell this person that this is who I was. So they were able to relay that information back to my parents, and my parents pulled onto the scene as I was being life flighted to Creighton, St. Joe, the trauma hospital at the time. And so I'm being life flighted. My dad said something to the, the people that were on the scene about my brother. He picked, he took my mom, picked up my sister, called her place of business, said somebody get Jess's things, walk her out to the door and we're going to pick her up. So called my sister and they, my dad took my mom and my sister to Creighton St. Joe because I was being life flighted there. And my dad went back and he put my brother in a body bag because that he had done that his whole life. And so he knew exactly how he wanted him to be taken care of and put together in a, in a very special way to be put into the body bag. Mm-hmm. I, I, of course, found this out later. Um, what
1: do you mean he always knew?
2: Because he had done that his whole life. Oh, he'd been okay. a para- he'd been a firefighter and a paramedic. Mm-hmm. So he knew how oh, to do that. Mm-hmm. So he wanted to do it with reverence and love for his son. Mm-hmm. So he'd wanted to he'd wanted to give him that special reverence of putting him into the body bag. Uh,
1: I can't imagine imagine doing that as a father to your own son. Uh
2: i think it gave him a little bit of closure i think on the situation to be able to like take care of your baby boy right no matter what you want to take care of your child in every single circumstance so it in in some ways that gave him some closure i am at the hospital um they start doing you know running all kinds of tests i have a skull fracture i have bleeding on the brain i have internal bleeding i've broken massive amount of bones i have acetabular fractures on both sides pelvic fracture both sides i have a nightstick fracture on my arm so my arm is laying in two different areas um, one of the pelvic fractures broke through everything like so when i landed my the femur had ripped through all the muscles ligaments and tendons on my right side oh. so what it did when it ripped through that is it destroyed the sciatic nerve at the spine. So it pulled the sciatic nerve at the spine. So you would call it a severed sciatic nerve, but it's not because of the accident. It's because of the amount of pressure that the, the force that the bone, that the femur left the hip socket. Does that make sense? Mm -hmm. And so, um, so to, so at this point um, I'm, Fighting for my life, um, they you know don't know what's going to happen. They want the bleeding to stop on the brain, internal bleeding to stop, and it eventually does. I have a surgery to repair. I have a miracle surgery. There is a handful of doctors in the United States who have ever done the type of ortho fix that I need done on my pelvis, and one of that do- one of the doctors was Dr. Matthew Mormino, who was the life flight on call doctor the day that I was life flighted to Joe. Wow. He's a UNMC doctor. But he was he they were working in tandem.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: And he was there. There's so many miracles. Like when tragic, when tragedy happens, there's so many miracles that surround him. And you have to be open to all these miracles that happen when tragic things happen in your life. So he was able to put my pelvis back together. I have brackets that hold my pelvis together, but I still have, because of that sciatic damage, I don't have any feeling or use of my whole right half of my leg and I can't lift my foot at all. So I still walk with a cane because I can't stand on my right leg at all. It doesn't support me because of the damage that was done at the pelvis. And then um, I can't lift my foot. So I have a, a ankle brace. I have a brace that covers, that goes all the way under my foot, so my foot stays at a right angle, which helps my gait, which helps Mm -hmm. my walk. It's kind of called like a drop foot for some people, so that helps my walk. My arm, they were able to put this, I had this huge cast on with this bar that I had to have on for several months, but um, with a lot of um, physical therapy, I was able to get all function of my arm back um, all the bones were broke, and so what they did is they just put a rod down through the middle of my arm and laid all the bones together, and they just all grew back together. So I got just so lucky with my with my left arm. Oh, um, no. I did I I did sixteen months of physical therapy. I wheeled in, then I slowly moved to a walker and to crutches and to a cane, and then eventually after sixteen months of physical therapy, I was um, able to um, walk with uh, a cane and my brace. Um, but I didn't stand after the accident. I didn't stand on both legs for three months. It was three months before I stood on both legs after the accident.
0: Oh my gosh, Jen. I, I can't imagine going through everything you've gone through. Um, I'm kind of wondering though, like when you have an experience like this, you lost your brother, you were fighting
2: for your life. How does that affect your faith? faith becomes, like people say, your rock, your anchor. I liken it to your raft. Like as if you were on a ship and everything was going down, but you were given this little raft and that's all you had. My faith was just like that. I'm clinging to that raft and that is what is keeping me alive. So it's keeping me afloat. That's what's keeping me going is my faith. I'm starting to have a much better relationship with Jesus. I mean here I thought I was going to have a I thought I was going to be a religious. And mm-hmm. I did not have near the experience with Jesus as I have now or the experience with you know experience with Jesus as I was starting to have then. I my faith life was really this pilgrimage that we're talking about, this road to Emmaus that we're talking right. about. It's really starting to blossom. It's really starting to change. and, and, and it's amazing is it was a, it was just this gift that was God was starting to give to me in this turmoil, in this trauma, in everything that's going on. He's never there. It really is true. Like, it sounds cliche when people say that. Like God never leaves your side. He's a gentleman, God. He never forces himself on you. But if you want him, if you need him, he is there for you. He's Mm -hmm. absolutely there for you. That's what's happening with my faith life. Um, One of the things that you deal with when you deal with um, survivor's guilt is I didn't know or understand like, like, I'm like, God, I'm here. Like, what do you want from me? Like, what do you want from me? I'm sure
1: that puts a lot of pressure, too. Like, I, I'm i here. Like, I have to do something so, so great for this world. And yeah. that puts an immense amount of anxiety and pressure on somebody.
2: Yeah. And at the time, I didn't think I could ever live up to anything like that or mm-hmm. – um or I thought thing I would have to give things up if I like I, I don't get this, if I get a live. Like there's all these things that badly go through your brain. But I wanted to do something good. Well, I found I found a couple of things out. Um, Jackson was two and a half at the time. I gotta be his mom. I gotta dedicate a huge chunk of my life. And I gotta raise my son. I gotta focus on giving him. The best possible life that I could give him, but the most immense amount of love that I could give him. So one, God helped me realize that I got to be a mom. I'm blessed. I get to be a mom. Then on the other side, like, what am I going to do? This person put it in my head, like something's going to happen. I just kept praying with it, praying with it. And so I'd been in radio for a long time. So I'd been in radio like 20, 22 22 years and then, um, I had known this person, Jim Carroll, who was the executive director of Spirit Catholic Radio for quite some time. And I had, um, not worked there, but I had talked to him about working there for many, many years. And then nine years ago, he came to me and he's like, Jen, I think it's time. And I was like, what do you want me to do? And he had me come. He said, why don't you do the morning show? And let's, Let's revamp this thing. Let's mm. let's put this off the ground. Let's get some things going here. And so I was hired in two thousand and thirteen, um, and we changed things from what they had before. It became Spirit Mornings. It was Bruce McGregor and myself and another person who's not there anymore. Um, and I got I got to be a female in radio that got to revamp a morning show. That doesn't happen all that often. I'm the co-host. Of a talk talk radio in the metro area, that doesn't happen all the time. Usually, the females are the news person or something like that. Like I'm the co-host of a talk radio. So like that's in my mind, that's a big deal. You know, I went to the College of Saint Mary, an all-female college, women empowerment. So and so my so to get us back to this road to Emmaus, like at Spirit Catholic Radio, I had this total road to Emmaus. Like it came all back around, like. They had listened to Jesus this whole time, and like I had been listening to Jesus my whole life. I go to mass. I hear would hear the gospel reading. I would hear Old Testament reading. I heard my whole entire life, but it took so long for all of this to click. Mm -hmm. Jesus was present, and Jesus was present in my midst for a long time, for a really long time. Jesus was present in my midst in everything that I had done, but it took a really long time for it really to click till I was kind of working this mission Mm -hmm. of spirit Catholic radio as a mission to give back. And I don't think I would do this mission as good as I get the opportunity to do. If I didn't have such heartache, such tragedy, Mm -hmm. such powerful witness to such joyful and difficult things in my life, I wouldn't be as Uh, good of an interviewer as I am because I can relate to so many different levels we have between four and five guests on a day and you know some of them I can really relate with the different things that's going on and there he is hearts not burning you know after that so imagine that road to Emmaus picture that I had you so that's at the beginning and Jesus talks to them the whole way and they don't realize it's him until he's breaking the bread until he's there until the Eucharist is there and then they say boom, where our heart's not burning within us.
1: Oh, I love that, Jen, when you were talking about nothing really began to click until, you know, Jesus was there, he was breaking the bread. And to look at our life through a rearview mirror and why things happen, you start to connect the dots and you understand mm-hmm. he never left you that entire time. Yeah. yeah.
0: You know, Jen, I feel like your story is really one about hope because you started off, you know, you you were going to go to religious school. You kind of fell away from the faith for a little bit. You went through some very real and hard tragedy, and then it brought you back to where you are now at the Spirit Catholic Radio, where your faith is just flourishing. So it's just, it's hopeful to hear that even though you might fall away from your faith and you might tumble, you might go through really hard times, you can always come back to your faith even stronger than before. Genuinely. There's no
2: cancel culture. You know, we live in a cancel culture and where somebody can do something mm-hmm. moderate or horrible and they'll be canceled. Mm-hmm. In the Catholic church, there is no cancel culture. Oh, I love that. I love Because that. you have the opportunity to, uh, to give witness to your transgressions to Jesus through a priest in confession And you are forgiven for those. And Jesus doesn't care about those. There is no cancel culture whatsoever in the Catholic Church. As long as you say, Jesus, I trust in you. I believe in you. I'm going to do my best to go and sin no more. Jen, you
1: are just the strongest, most inspiring. The stuff you have endured, like God really, you know, gives his biggest battles to his strongest soldiers and like hmm. I, I'm so lucky to have you witness your life story to everyone listening and to us it's just I'm blown away
2: by your your witness and testimony to the Lord well I'm I'm blessed to be able to give my witness I'm blessed to be alive I'm blessed to be here I'm blessed to be able to get it give it I hope that maybe just sharing just a glimpse of this. And if anybody wants to send me an email, Jen at KVSS.com, like Vene Sancte Spiritus, Jen at KVSS.com if they have any questions.
1: Jen, can you leave our listeners with some advice? Like one, some good wisdom that we can leave them with. Yeah,
2: we'll get back to that. That very first thing about that council. So it's from Philippians, Philippians 4.
0: Jen, again, thank you so much for having us on the show. If you want to hear more of Jen, you can tune into her morning show. It's uh, Spirit Morning Show, correct? Mornings on the Spirit Catholic Radio Network. Spirit Mornings. Um, So you can find Jen there if you want to hear more of her wisdom. And if you guys enjoyed today's show, we would love it if you screenshotted the show, share it with us on Instagram. We love to get your guys's feedback and subscribe. And don't forget to give us a five-star review. Thanks again, Jen. God
2: bless you, ladies. Thank you. Keep up the good (laughs) work. I'm praying for you and all your friends. God bless you all. Thank you.